0: Welcome back to the program. Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers along with you. <laughs> Live here at Windsport. Getting uh, everything set. Well, we're not getting everything set. People around us are getting everything set. They're working a lot harder than They're, we are. There certainly are. There's a lot of people moving and heavy things, and we're just sitting here. But that's okay, everything's getting done. Heavy cameras and boxes and. Do we have to? Oh, we're just. I'm so sorry. We've got a show. Oh, yeah. I can't do we possibly. To, do we have
1: to help after?
0: I don't know. I don't think
1: so. Should we just sit here with the headphones on? Yeah, we'll just we're, game we're game on time?
0: air post game show. Sorry guys, we gotta we gotta get the beer league thing post. It's part of the deal, right? Part of your 960 beer league broadcast. Is we had to do a post game show. So now are we able to do that with beers on the table,
1: or is that too <laughs> under the table? Under the table. Yeah. Ooh like yep. we have been all show exactly
0: huh. uh the beerly broadcast coming up tonight brought to you by our good friends at wild rose brewery and uh tuxedo source for sports we got doors opening in about half an hour's time if you're coming down to watch it live hang out with the sportsnet 960 crew we've got intermission games ready to go we got some awesome prizes the uh, promo staff uh worked it out so we got some great prizes for you uh a flames jersey if you're looking to uh spruce up your look ahead of the Uh, next flames game that's going to be up for prize a couple concert tickets to give away vickers during the intermission blink 182 tickets we've got we've got dean brody tickets if uh, that's more your jam so we got lots to do if you're coming down to watch the game tonight
1: are any of the contests fastest lap around the track here because
0: in that commercial break,
1: yeah i think i've i think i am i eligible to win
0: yeah i think you're on contractor status right so i I don't think that I think you could easily be a part of it, for sure. Oh, yeah. You know what? This, and you know what? I measured
1: it out. It's actually 800 meters around. Oh. So the fact well, that, that I did sense, it actually. in under three and a half minutes is even more incredible. It was
0: impressive. He was, there was a few young women here that were, you know, just getting a few laps in. Aaron's, get out of the way. Heisman trophy. Literally, right. literally
1: pushed him to the Boom. ground. It was
0: unbelievable, but it was blazing fast, and he's not even out of breath. Like, can you tell that he just ran... More than Olympians run around a track, and he's not even out of breath. It's oh, pretty incredible, oh, oh, to be honest.
1: Uh, uh, we just saw breaking news coming in. It turns oh. out from the text line, there is a gym member at Winsport that says it's 250 meters.
0: Not the 800 that you just said. So
1: not looking
0: great on that three-and-a-half-minute mm. lap okay. anymore. That makes more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Huh. Hmm. Well, then. Yeah, that's uh, it's disappointing, but honestly, I'm, I'm not that surprised when I... I trust a gym member here a lot more than...
1: I'm not going to participate anymore. Nope, no, that's I just fair. feel
0: bad. Nope, no, don't worry about it. We're going to save that for another one. But, uh, yeah, make sure you come out here. We're uh, we're all set. We're getting ready for the Beer League broadcast. Russick, Rose, uh, Brody on the Beat is going to be here. Brody on the Beat. Brody on the Beat is going to be out in the crowd getting some audio from fans. I'll be between the benches. we got our celebrity referees, Brent Cron and Paul Cruz, who are, to be honest, probably at a bar right now getting ready for the game. Uh, It's going to be a really fun night here, and glad that we could be at Winsport and back for our annual Beer League broadcast. The Whalers and the Lushes coming your way on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, But final segment here uh, with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers. We're getting to that time, uh, Vickers, where trade rumors are percolating across the league, and a couple of NHL insiders have dropped some interesting names Uh, to watch for over the next couple of weeks. And we'll start with one up the road in Edmonton. Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, uh, who joins Pat on Flames Talk and, of course, the guys in the morning on Rustic and Rose uh, with his piece up at – one of his pieces up at Daily Faceoff, I should say, uh, talking about the future of one Yessi Pugliarvi with the Edmonton Oilers. And in Frank's words – uh, it's is talking about the final days of Yessi Pujarvi as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, his uh, line exactly on Twitter when he posted the story yesterday, all signs point to the end being near on Yessi Pujarvi's time with the Oilers. Is there a team interested in trying to unlock the 2016 number 4 overall pick's potential, or will he be a salary cap casualty? Yessi Pujarvi is an interesting name. Because every now and then, you get one of these guys. And the Flames had a very similar situation to this not all that long ago in Sam Bennett. It was slightly different. They're different players for sure. Yeah. But you have a high draft pick, a guy that hasn't worked out for your organization, and it feels like rubber is, is going to meet the road here. And it, that It's probably best, it might have been best a year ago for these two sides, Aaron, to find... A, a new home for Jesper Puyarvi. Do you yeah, think this, this is, is the this time for this to happen for the Edmonton Oilers?
1: Honestly, I think the time would have been in the summer, and it was talked about quite a bit over the course of July and August with the with the Edmonton Oilers part. <laughs> and it just never happened. But it seemed like from the Puyarvi camp and from the Oilers camp, Both sides have kind of determined that it would be better for both parties involved to start fresh and start separate from each other. Well, now here we are entering February, coming out of the uh, All-Star break in the bye week. And the Oilers are in a bit of an interesting position because they've got some injuries. They've got some guys in LTIR, namely Kyler Yamamoto who's getting closer and closer to returning. And the Edmonton Oilers don't have a lot of room to play with being an LTIR right now. So this could be a situation where RV just as you mentioned, becomes a cap casualty. And again, in the summer and leading into the season, there were rumors and reports that if they couldn't accommodate a trade for RV waivers might be an option for him and see if they can find any takers that way. Or, you know, just remove as much as you can off the cap. Now, granted, it's not going to remove a lot when he's carrying, what is it, a $3 million cap and is a pending, unrestricted, or pending restricted free agent, mm-hmm. pardon me. But it does seem like given the circumstance around the Edmonton Oilers with their cap situation, with their injury situation getting a bit more resolved as you come out of the break, I do wonder if Pulley
0: RV does find a new home in the next couple of weeks. It's a tough spot for for Jesse right now, and, and the fact that you know he's coming off of an, and is possibly in the midst of one of his most lackluster seasons yeah. as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. Forty nine games, four goals, six assists, you got twenty six penalty minutes, and uh, if you're into the plus minus side of thing, he finds himself uh, on the negative thirteen side of that, and that's coming off of what last year was his best statistical year as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Vickers and that only potted out 14 goals and 22 assists. So I don't know, I don't see this being a spot for a contending team by any means to look at Jesse Pujarvi and say, that's the guy that's going to push us and get us to that next level and help us win a couple playoff series. But when Frank and other guys mention teams that might see him as a reclamation project or a get-in-with-our-player-development-guys scene, I think that makes a lot more sense. And I think that that's, I still think that's a deal you can get done ahead of the trade deadline. Um, It doesn't all have to be, and we see a lot of times these deals, um, you know, looking towards the future. It doesn't all have to be about teams. And what they're doing immediately in the postseason.
1: No, and I look at some teams like the Arizona Coyotes or Anaheim Ducks or Columbus Blue Jackets who are near the bottom of the NHL standings. The acquisition cost, I can't imagine, is substantial, especially considering not too long ago he was the fourth overall pick in the draft. But if you're a Columbus or a Chicago or an Arizona and it doesn't cost you much, why not bring them in? tinker under the hood a little bit get an up-close look at what you think this player might be and then if you decide that he's not for you and he's not a fit for your organization or you just don't see him advancing beyond being a 10-point player in the nhl despite the fact that he's gotten over 10 goals in three separate seasons Mm -hmm. but if your acquisition cost is low enough and you decide you know what we had a look and we're going to step away you aren't really out anything and you get the first-hand look at what could possibly be a strong reclamation project
0: but still a gamble at the end of the day and it's interesting, obviously, we're the home of the Flames and the team that you know we cover the most here is the Flames. I've seen, I don't know if you've seen the same thing or not, but ever since, I'll say even starting last year, I've seen a strong enough sentiment from some Flames fans on Twitter that would like the Calgary Flames to perhaps take a look at it and see what that acquisition cost might be. Now, this is a tough one because, like I said, I don't know... That Yessi Pujarvi is coming in and immediately giving any team that he joins any sort of significant bump, and the Flames need a significant bump, and we'll talk about that in and of itself and who might fit that mold in a bit here, but when it comes to a, a fit, would you see one between Pujarvi and the Calgary Flames?
1: I don't think it'd be something I'd look at for this season. It might be something more that if the off-season opportunity were to present itself and you could bring him in in a cost control environment situation where if you're the Calgary Flames and you see some things you like in the player and I do believe some of his underlying defensive metrics are actually quite positive. It's just the offensive side that hasn't necessarily translated this season. But it's not something that, if I'm the Calgary Flames, I'm not sure he's at the top of my uh, grocery list, if you will, in order in terms of bringing somebody in to try and bolster the top nine, which has been a has been sort of a slotting that the Calgary Flames have admitted they've been looking at since training camp and in talking with Bradshaw Living during the All-Star break, it's still something that will be a priority moving forward, whether that's an external addition or something that they've seen in some of their prospects, like Jacob Peltier who's come in. It's still a pressing need for the Calgary Flames. I just don't think that it's Pauly that fills that need.
0: Puyarvi, uh six foot four, right shot winger. Uh, looks like he'll be available as the Edmonton Oilers might have reached uh, that final impasse when it comes to his future in Edmonton. So that's a name to to look forward to as we get closer to the trade deadline. Another one uh, that Elliot Friedman threw out yesterday on the Jeff Merrick show that's uh, intrigued a lot of people around here. Aaron is uh, a name out of Philadelphia that maybe the Flames do consider for this season and might consider. Uh, being a piece that could give them that external push Uh, the name thrown out that and look you always have to take these with a grain of salt and Elliot is is careful in his wording with this as as most insiders are that expressing interest doesn't necessarily mean pursuant doesn't mean there's offer on the table and it certainly doesn't mean impending trade so when we bring this up and we We're trying not to get Elliot ratioed on Twitter or anything like that is essentially what we're trying to do. But he has gone as far to say that the Calgary Flames have expressed interest in James Van Riemsdyk of the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers are not making the playoffs this year. Uh, They've gone through a handful of of serious injuries. John Tortorella is trying to get a hold defensively on that team again. That's been uh, a bit of a tire fire back there for the last couple of seasons and seems like a team that is going to more than likely maybe move out some of these UFAs. Uh, what do you think of when you think of James Van Reemsdyke and maybe coming to the Calgary Flames?
1: I think that you're acquiring a guy that on average is a perennial 25-goal scorer, and he's got 296 goals in 910 NHL games. So over the course of his body of work, he's been a, almost a goal-every-three-games kind of guy. He's got 8-31 and 31 this year. He's run into some injury issues he's on the wrong side of 30 he does have size i don't think he's the most fleet of foot which i think most flames fans would agree that that's been one of the things that have hampered the calgary flames this season is their ability to move up and down the ice with pace with speed six foot three 208 pounds he checks a lot of boxes in terms of experience i don't know where he lands on my list of players that i would go down to see if you can get this one nope move to the next one nope move to the next one I'd be curious to see how he'd fit because historically he scores goals and that is, at the end of the day, what's plagued the Calgary Flames the most is Mm -hmm. their ability to put the puck in the net. Here's a guy that does it, but at the same time, not the healthiest guy this year, is 33 years old, and again, pace I don't think is necessarily something that um, follows him around at this stage.
0: Yeah, this is a really interesting one for me because the immediate thing that I see when I think of this one is... I think maybe Brad for Living sees this and is looking at a guy who might be able to come in and have a significant impact, but might not cost you a first-round pick right. in the process of doing it. Because that's kind of where I feel like, given where the Flames are, 50 games in the season, Vickers, that's kind of where they have to play themselves, right? You can't be in a spot where you're saying, look, we're absolutely giving up our first-round pick because you're not in a playoff spot. That's a really dangerous game to play. But by the same account, you've put yourself in a position where not making the playoffs is going to be a very bad look on this team and you're going to want to do something to better your chances of that, right? And maybe James Van Riemsdyk is a guy that can come in And and maybe not even James Van Riemsdyk. Maybe a player like James Van Riemsdyk in other senses, right, can come in, be that addition for the Calgary Flames, but not be a top-end addition that's going to cost them uh, you know, an arm and a leg at the trade deadline.
1: I think one of the best things that he has going for him in terms of being a trade target, whether it be for the Calgary Flames or any other organization, is the fact that he's a pending unrestricted free agent at season this season's end. And yes, he is in the last year of a five-year, $35 million deal, which means... That is a seven million dollar cap hit but as you get closer to the trade deadline and closer to the trade deadline and if you've accrued cap space mm-hmm. that's not so much an impairment and where that would help a team like the calgary flames in general is well the calgary flames have over 80 million dollars tied up in 15-ish contracts next season that's not a lot of wiggle room to go forward so if you're looking at bringing somebody in to help bolster your push to get to the playoffs or to put you over the top in the first round once you're in the playoffs Having a player come in that doesn't cost you anything next season is actually a plus. No term, no dollars attached to it. So not only does it help you in the short term, in a way by having that player's contract expire and not hang around next season, it helps you in the longer term as well.
0: And you can talk too about the, the possibility. I don't think if you're Philadelphia that you'd be all that against retaining cap space or, or retaining some of James Van Reem's leg salary for the year. I think that's a conversation you can have with them as well to help make that money work because yeah i think you know a lot of people are sitting here saying i i just i can't see this calgary flames team in the spot that they're in wanting and or being willing to give up that first rounder so maybe this is that middle ground of look we're still going to add because of where we want to be but we're still being realistic of where we are at this point too
1: this might help us circle back a little bit to the Connor bedard uh, conversation we had earlier but Yes, it is Connor Bedard and then a mile and then the start of the rest of the draft class, but this is still a very deep draft class. It just so happens the guy at number one is a <laughs> elite generational talent. But if you're the Calgary Flames and you're still picking somewhere between fifteen and twenty two, for example, mm-hmm. you're still getting a player who has top line upside or, you know, top four defense goaltending not so much in this draft I don't think the Calgary Flames are necessarily going to go out there and look for a goalie in the first round of the draft regardless with Dustin Wolf with Jacob Markstrom with Dan Vladar but you really if you can avoid it you should really try to not sacrifice your 2023 first round pick because this is one of the deepest classes in recent memory and to do so and ship it out for a player that's coming in for 30-ish games to me isn't necessarily the best result, not really the best way to manage your assets going forward, especially because the Calgary Flames don't necessarily know what they are at this point coming out of the all-star break where, yes, they're kind of in a playoff spot, but not really. Colorado holds a tiebreaker, so all things considered, you're on the outside Mm -hmm. looking in. At the same time, this team hasn't played to its full potential, in my opinion, and there's lots of room for growth in their game. And the fact that they're as close to a playoff spot as they are with that margin to improve so substantial to me, maybe a guy puts them over the top. I don't know if it's necessarily James Van Riemsdyk at an expensive cost. I don't know if I'd be willing. I certainly wouldn't be willing to give up a first-rounder. I don't even know if I'd be willing to give up a second-rounder. But you're going to have to go out there if you're Brad, for a Living. You're going to have to shop and get a sense of prices because if you do want to bolster the roster, it is going to have to cost you something at some point.
0: Uh, some text at 960960 as we've been on this conversation. Uh, Frank Saravalli, uh, our NHL insider from Daily Face Off, uh, his article yesterday talking about, you know, perhaps uh, Yessi Puiarvi's time as an oiler coming to an end and a bit on... Uh, Elliot Friedman's reporting that the Flames have expressed interest in James Van Riemsdyk. Here's some of the texts that have come in. This one, uh, simply stay away from Yessie. I don't know if that's a, a warning or a threat. You know what I mean? Like, hey, careful, you don't want to touch that one. Or if that guy's like, hey, you stay away from, from Yessie and Don't you think about acquiring him uh, if you're the Calgary Flames. I'm, I'm not sure which way that one goes. Uh, this one says, I'd give it a shot by the Flames, but they just don't have a helmet big enough for Yessie. And that's, that's, that's a drive-by. That's, that's hurtful, but not untrue. Uh, this one says, Oilers have to give up an asset to move Yessie's money, not getting something for him. Yeah, that that might be the case here, and that's a tough one. He really hasn't produced, and for a team that's looking to take on that money, which could be helpful to the Oilers if they moved $3 million out ahead of the trade deadline, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a, a team on the other end said, what's in it for me aside from taking on a year of Yessie Pujarvi?
1: I don't know. I'd be curious, even if I was a team like I mentioned—the Arizona Coyotes, Columbus Blue Jackets, whomever. I don't know if you have the room, and you're one of those teams that can experiment a little bit. I don't know if it takes much of a sweetener. Like, I, yeah. I, I could see a scenario. He's just 24, of, right? right?
0: Like, it's not. There's
1: still a lot of runway left in his development. Now it just so happens it's stalled in Edmonton, but that's not to say it can't pick up elsewhere. I don't. I'll be curious to see what happens to him. Again, there's lots of rumors in the summer and lots of talk about how both sides needed a fresh start. It didn't happen. I'd be curious as to know if the asking price was too high, if there were just simply no takers. He was an unrestricted free agent, but then he signed a one-year, three-million-dollar deal. So, in theory, still cost control. But even as a team, I don't know if you necessarily want to bring him back at that number. So, you, there's a lot of different elements, a lot of different avenues to discuss when it comes to Pulley RV. And but if I'm Arizona, for example, yeah. Maybe you, you get a 30-game up-close look at him and, and he turns into foul money. And you know what? If you can talk the Edmonton Oilers into a fourth-round sweetener or something to that effect in exchange for Pugliarvi and, and you know future considerations going the other way, then why not take a look?
0: Well, yeah, and I said that's almost the same thing about Arizona-wise You know, when Yusuf Alamaki went on waivers. Yeah, similar situation uh, right, to a degree. Why would you not, if you're a team like that, take that opportunity to, to take a look at somebody, right? If it's not going to cost you anything... You know simply than money and your owner is okay taking on some additional cap in a year where you're not going to make the playoffs then why not it's turned into a one-year contract extension for Euo alamaki in the desert why wouldn't you know if you're Chicago or somebody else see that hey maybe there is an opportunity for him to uh, to get back in here uh, this one says first round pick anything more than a fourth round pick for an expiring contract for JVR would be too much and I wasn't saying that it would take a first round pick to acquire JVR. I was more so saying this could be an option instead of spending your first-round pick on Mm -hmm. something else. Obviously, if you're spending your first-round pick in your Calgary, I would hope the return is higher than than James Van Rien's deck, and I think Brad Scherliving is probably on board about that. Um, This one says, uh, good grief, let's not compound bad desperate signings with another bad signing uh, in JVR. Yeah, I mean, look, if you bring him in this year, and it doesn't work out; you're not on the books for anything next year. Right. That's a positive. And even then, as you mentioned, you know he's coming on the end of a big contract here. I don't see James Van Riemsdyk commanding massive money on his next deal, anyways. If it were, you know, to talk about an extension in Calgary or even anywhere else.
1: No. Um, one thing, game. I do want to throw at you. I'm curious where you are on it because sure. we're talking about teams that you can take advantage of their cap situation. Well, the Florida Panthers are certainly one of those teams right now and they're in a situation where they're kind of on the outside looking in, trying to figure out what they are too, but they don't have a lot of room, and they've got Anthony Duclair back practicing after, I believe it was Achilles surgery in the offseason. It might mm-hmm. be ACL. I might be confusing the two. Excuse me if I'm wrong, but he's back practicing in a non-contact jersey. He's got some history with a second-line left winger where that second-line left winger had 115 points being on the left side. On the right side, you have Anthony Duclair. <laughs> Down the middle, you add Sam Bennett. I'd be curious. I'd be weary a little bit because it is a substantial surgery he's coming off of. Mm-hmm. But that might be an opportunity at a lower cost to do
0: something as well. That's a name I really like. It's it's To be honest, it's one of the ones given. And, and look, we know this GM, even going back to last year, Aaron, has the propensity to look at history, whether it be – you know, friendships or cousins or just familiarity with other players. And I think Brad Living and company value that in trade acquisitions, right? Whether it was Callie Yarncroke and uh, having family ties and friend ties to other Swedes on the group, whether it was bringing in Milan Lucic's best friend uh, in Tyler Toffoli, yeah. right? There's something to be said about guys that come in and have that personal experience. Now I don't think that Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger had the same relationship with Anthony Duclair. I don't know that for sure, but it certainly has to help the transition if you're going to acquire somebody like that. And who's a former linemate, I think it would be a pretty easy conversation, a pretty easy scouting one if you're for living in Flames Management to go to Jonathan and say, hey, look, he's on our radar Tell me about Anthony Duclair. What what do you like? What did you not like? And is it worth it for us to pursue?
1: Logan, if I scored 31 goals in the NHL last year riding shotgun to you, or on the flip side, if I registered 115 points playing opposite of you, chances are I'm going to like you. 100%.
0: Yeah. So... And-
1: And, again, I'm not saying they're they're best friends or anything, but certainly there's an on-ice chemistry there. Whether or not there's off-ice, we don't know, but there's certainly an on-ice connection between those two players, and Anthony Duclair would be a player I'd take a long look at. But, again, injury might make me a little leery. At the same time, what's your acquisition cost?
0: Uh, He is Aaron Vickers from Daily Hive and NHL.com. I'm Logan Gordon, wrapping things up here on Sportsnet today. Uh, Two-hour program in the books. We are passing things along. Uh, to a little bit of a pre-game uh, show here, we had both uh, the we- Whalers and the Lushes team captains in the building, uh, in the studio a little bit earlier on this week to get you set for our beer league broadcast. That's where we're broadcasting live from this evening. We're here at WinSport Canada at the Mark and McPhail Arena, getting you set for our annual Sportsnet 960 Beer League broadcast. Doors are set to open up in just moments. If you're coming down, say hi to us here at the 960 crew. Uh, if you're going to listen to the game, I uh, hope you have a lot of fun. Rustic and Rose on the call. Uh, We're going to have a blast down here with some great intermission prizes and uh, a whole lot of fun coming your way. Are you sticking around for the game, Vickers? I think I might have to. Absolutely. It would be great to have you along. Uh, It was great having you along this afternoon, pal. Always my pleasure, buddy. Uh, Aaron Vickers and Logan Gordon signing off this afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Sportsnet Today right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.